you know, we, we're getting straight to the heart of the matter, which is how are you? Are you coping? Mm. Is your family healthy? Do you feel safe? Can I help? Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I am co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Amanda Davy. Amanda and Joe met originally through the Engage Success movement and connected at the time through a mutual interest in social media and organisations. Executive coach and co-founder of Equal Talent and She Is No Limits. Amanda helps individuals and leaders to lift their limits, realise their peak performance and create inclusive teams and cultures. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Amanda Davey of Equal Talent. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Jo. We were just doing a bit of reminiscing about when we first met, weren't we? Like ages ago, years ago, and we couldn't quite remember, but we think we might have got there in the end. (laughs) So start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it. Okay. So I am an executive and leadership coach. I am co-founder of Equal Talent, um, and we work with leaders and organisations to help build um, more balanced, inclusive and high-performing teams and cultures. Um, And as coaches, we have a particular preference or flavour for group coaching work, um, which is the, the newer kid on the block, if you like, of uh, coaching in comparison to team coaching or one-to-one coaching. Um, and we tend to apply it to help organisations to galvanise um, underrepresented or disparate groups or groups of individuals who may be feeling like they are the only. So we use that intervention to build camaraderie um, uh, to help individuals to work together to create their own sense of um, inclusion and belonging. Mm-hmm. And where are you based? I am based in London. My business partner is based in the northwest of England. So we try to cover off those two regions in terms of our individual sales and marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, now that the world is flat and virtual, um, we, we work with clients who are everywhere. Yes, it does. As I sort of finish off by going, and crucially, where where you are, you know, that that's a question I've always asked. Um, but obviously, mostly the answer now is in my. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a lot of it was, you know, people working from home originally. But yes, it suddenly became a, a question that uh, was quite the same answer for most people. Um, so, what I found interesting in your introduction is that um, it what you've what you offer is very specific specific for very specific audiences which is not always the case and 
um, feels like it, it's it's been sort of in development, presumably. I mean, you don't I don't suppose wake up one day and go, oh, they, these are the people I'm going to help. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I also know that you've um, had a, a quite different background because when we connected and initially, it was through sort of different stuff to what to what you're doing now. So. Tell us a bit about your journey, what you wanted to do right from the beginning and, and the sorts of things that you've done in the meantime, and then how you got to this quite specific um, target for, you know, market, target market or whatever, or, you know, group of people that, that you help. Because as I say, not everyone does that. Some people just go, you know, I'm an executive coach and that's it. Mm. <laughs> not what you said. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, right from the beginning. Well, <laughs> Right from the beginning, I wanted to be an air hostess. Where did I? <laughs> did you? I think it was quite common in our, our generation. Yeah. If, I'm, um, yeah. if you'll allow me to suggest we're of a similar age, Joe, um, yeah. because it was it was seemed as quite glamorous, and um, the EU was opening up, and everyone was set. Well, everyone said to me, "Oh, you're really good at languages. You should do languages. Then you can travel the world." And so I had this kind of um, perception that it was really glamorous and adventurous, and I could use my languages. And uh, yeah. uh, and then um, my mother, who's always been very good at keeping me. Um, <laughs> quite quite realistic um said well if you want to clean up other people's sick for a living then go for it <laughs> that my dad put, did that role for me he traveled he traveled a lot on planes at that in uh, that time and he said he said if you want to go and be a waitress in the sky help yourself <laughs> yes <laughs> not to not to do down the air hostesses who uh, do um or the air stewards who do a grand job and have lots of challenges over and above the ones that we've just uh, shared but like you did put me off <laughs> um so I studied languages at uni and then I came to London in search for a job. It was the early 90s or mid 90s. We were in a recession. Um, and so it I, it was a case of trying to find something ideally where I could use my languages. But um, I I was told um, by recruiters that I didn't stand a chance in in hell because in London, if you wanted a native speaking French or Spanish person they were a dime a dozen so so that was that was um an education well spent um and I I bet I got really lucky that I fell into this um exciting new glamorous industry that was opening up at the time which was um the internet and digital media um so I I I followed my nose in terms of customer services roles I've always um, been a good communicator I'd always worked in pubs and restaurants and I knew how to deal with customers so I ended up going into um, a um, online advertising sales house doing um, customer service client services Um, and from there I um, continued to work for digital media startups um, predominantly on the agency side so honing my craft as a client servicer an accounts person you know dealing with clients um, but also um, always um, part of the co-founding team so I learned how to build businesses from a very young age and businesses that were hugely successful working with really talented pioneering entrepreneurs who were real risk takers and and boy did it pay off for a lot of them in those early days yeah, yeah. I rode the the roller coaster and the wave of the dot-com boom 
Um, then we had dot-com bust. And mm-hmm. so we all learned how to manage redundancy. Um, but I, so I did that for um, 16 years. The latter part of it was um, I ended up setting up my own business, which was always the, the template um, that had been um, role modeled for me, um, which was a huge learning curve Um not just in terms of learning all the business skills, but actually learning, starting to learn a lot about who I am and why I am who I am as a leader um, when you are given that ultimate responsibility of people's livelihoods. Mm-hmm. So then you moved into coaching. I'm sure it wasn't yes. quite as quick and easy as that. I made that sound. <laughs> <laughs> How did that come about? I mean, we're sort of in the era of people having sort of a series of careers now compared to how things were in in the past and I guess it'll accelerate even further now and uh, our younger people all do 10 different things by the time they've finished um but I guess we're we're both doing what our as you say our generation have have tended to do in the certainly in the entrepreneurial world mm. yes I um I decided that I had had enough um And so when I talk about it, I talk about that being my first career and coaching being my second career. And and for me currently, and it might change over time, I'm still putting distance between um, my first and my second career for a number of reasons. I hit the glass ceiling. I found that very difficult um, being a, a feminist and certainly in my um, mid thirties, when I started to to brush up against that glass ceiling, realizing just how much of a feminist I was. When you know, you only really start to pay attention when you you're faced with that that challenge and that struggle. Mm. Um, I recognized that I needed a new challenge as well. I was quite bored. I'd been flogging the same stuff for sixteen years, um, and also um, we were trying to have a family. Um, that wasn't an easy journey for us. We um, were dealing with infertility for several years um, before we we finally got the the medical intervention that we needed to to have the children. And so I needed to create a new career for myself, one um, that I could integrate with my my new family when they they finally came along. Mm-hmm. Um. So why why coaching? What were the sort of aspects of that that um fit with your those sorts of you know needs so I had always been um most passionate about talent so I'd never worked in HR but people's development and the nurturing of the people in my teams was always the most important and the most interesting part of what I did Mm -hmm. um I think you know ultimately and and the coaching journey has really sort of helped me to understand why I do what I do because of who I am um and you know my core value has always been friendship um helping others um connection building community um so I wanted to take my my people management my leadership development skills in a in a direction that meant that I could help others to become um you know the best versions of themselves in the workplace and I always was very clear that I wanted to stay working in the workplace um 
because I think because of my entrepreneurial background that I'd I'd always got such a buzz out of seeing people grow um, and flourish in in a work environment. Mm-hmm. And at, at the beginning of this um, part about your sort of history, I asked twenty five million and one questions all in one. <laughs> And the beginning one <laughs> was the fact that you you have honed what you're doing and offering to a certain sort of type of, of individual or sort of group within an organisation. How did that come yes. about? So as I um, expanded my coaching training repertoire, so I added, I first trained as a uh, in one-to-one coaching and then I got interested in team coaching um, went off and did a wonderful course with barefoot and then I came across group coaching um, and for me I just thought that that was um, a really interesting intervention because of its potential to bring um, different people together and help them to bind and connect and build strength in that collective and I've always been a team player um, I've always w- w- thrived best in teams and in communal group environments um, and I think again you know we, we as coaches we learn so much about why we are who we are I'd, I'd got good relationship skills I'd got high levels of empathy um, compassion um, you know, helping others had always been really important, but fairness and relatedness were the two kind of main drivers for me. I wanted to use my skills to say to people in the workplace, look, you're not the only one. There's a woman over there in that team who's struggling. Let's get together. Let's think together, work together and see if we can support each other moving forward. So I, I and and also you know, without wanting to to go too deep um, in the short space that we have, a short amount of time that we have together, uh, uh, my need for belonging has always been very high. Um, and that's, you know, as a result of some, you know, family dysfunction and family trauma that I experienced um, in my formative years. Um, and so I have always gone looking for that sense of belonging and and I've always found it um you know the 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 entrepreneurial.com years um you know those businesses were successes um in part because they created that family environment we were all in it together Mm. um and so I I want to create um create interventions and environments for my clients to know that there are people like them and unlike them, um, but that they have a shared, you know, goal or shared mission or shared um, challenges and that there are people that have got their backs and that will go on that journey with them. Mm. And did that then feed into working with somebody else? Because quite often people in our sort of um businesses they're either you know absolutely totally on their own or they do sort of connect up with somebody else and it's it's a sort of a a duo if you like (laughs) um was that a a very specific decision in keeping with that belonging and and the the team working that you like uh yes and also because I am a high extrovert so I don't fare very well when I am left 
on my own or, or mm. without um, um, not just people around me and being being with people, but also a variety of people. Um, and I recognised that in myself quite quickly once I set up um, as a coach and I was trading as a coach. I, I you know, I, I didn't have too much of a problem finding clients and 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 um, bringing in some money. But very quickly, um, I realised that something was missing. It just it. it it demotivated me to be doing it just for myself. I needed that kind of feeling of building something together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got very lucky. I met um, Catherine, my now business partner, through my group coaching training journey. Um, she at the time was um, co-running um, a coach membership organization called The Bird Table, who took coaches um, from across the UK. In, indeed, we had some international members and taught them a very specific group coaching training model in order that they could set up groups in their local areas or bird tables, as they called them, mm-hmm. for um, uh, SME and self-employed business women. Mm. Mm. Um, and it hasn't always just been the two of us by any means Um, we did trial um, a couple of other coaches so at one point we were looking to become a a foursome as a as a um, team running the business Um, and I'm so grateful for the fact that we were all coaches trying that that model out because um, we were all self-aware enough to recognize what worked, what didn't. And inevitably, you know, whether if it, whether it's um, different life stages or challenges in terms of, um, you know, dynamics within the team, um, Catherine and I ended up um, keeping going. And um, we, we have other um, people in the team with us who work on a part-time contract basis so you know very flexible um but again it's it's um for i think for catherine she's similar to me in the respect that we we have ambitions to build the team out and to um create opportunities for others to join us on this on this wonderful learning curve that we're on Mm -hmm. it's really lovely to hear how much of what you've done and decided has come from that whole self-awareness stuff that I guess you're teaching your clients. I mean, I guess many coaches do do that, but by no means is it everybody um, that you speak to, you know, that that's got so clear about who they are and what they need and then shaped their business accordingly. I think sometimes people fall into, you know, what's what's offered to them, what people are prepared to pay them for. And it isn't necessarily shaped around, you know who they are what they want to do and how they want to do it so it's so refreshing to hear that that's you know where how you got to where where you've got to thank you and how does it work working with somebody else and and I'm saying that because I don't and I wouldn't <laughs> um and it always intrigues me when I when I interview people who are who are working in partnerships to think about the sort of the logistics of you know who's responsible for what and you know, how often do you need to speak to each other and do you use technology to keep in touch and, and all that sort of stuff? How, how does it work? So, um, well, 
since COVID, we've seen very little of each other in person. Um, But typically, and we hope to get back to this, what the way we would um, organise our our calendars, if you like, is that we would um, come together in person for a couple of days every quarter to do all the business planning work, but also to dedicate some time to our own CPD. And so in the early days, we used that CPD time to um, work out our strengths as a team, um, our weaknesses. And so we were sort of working, always had a very keen focus on who was best doing what um, in order that they could play to their strengths. Mm. So um, as that has evolved, um, it's just meant that we've been able to be um, really honest um, with each other when um, we're not doing things that don't serve us particularly well so um and we bring a lot of humor to that so (laughs) Catherine will always Catherine and Faye um Faye's our ops director they'll always say on a on a zoom team um call um you know right Amanda you can leave the call now because we're going to talk about the detail and you'll just switch off so (laughs) that's just no point so um but Catherine and I recognize I think quite early on that we both um, aside from our coaching skills, both better off um, front of house, if you like. So sales and marketing, um, client relationship management. Um, what we re- realized we were far less good at was um, some of the operational stuff. So processes, platforms, tech technology and um, we can we can use that stuff and we we like people to tell us what to do <laughs> or what to use um so Faye when she joined us um, a couple of years ago kind of fulfilled that role brilliantly mm-hmm. it's interesting coming from your tech background <laughs> yes I know <laughs> that's probably a good thing though if you don't want to sort of dabble you want to stay out of it it's probably better than trying to do it all or or sort of jumping in to the bits that you're interested in which you know gets in the way of everyone else doing what they're supposed to do <laughs> yeah yeah and I n- never at any stage in my digital career was I the tech person um I could talk to clients about the tech and and sell the bells and whistles um but I always had you know very clever technical specialists delivering the work and and you know I was able to pull them in into client meetings when clients mm-hmm. wanted to get into the detail um I I like a gadget um but um yeah for me it's I want to be with, with the people having the yeah. people conversations yeah you're the sort of so that person so yes. that happens so that this can happen and that's the yes. bit you're interested in <laughs> so how do you sort of work what's your day look like and I guess it's probably different pre and post COVID and and currently but um you know how how do you get done what you need to get done and what sort of um things do you use for that yourself you know whether it's tools or apps or pen and paper which is what most of my guests tell me (laughs) (laughs) yeah well I do like a list I've always got a notebook and uh, you know working from home currently I carry it around the house it's often in my hand um uh more often in my hand is my phone um because that's got my diary and I lean very heavily into my my cal- my online calendar to tell me <laughs> what to do mm-hmm. so you know I, I I guess how I prioritize my time it's you know clients first so all the scheduled coaching work is in there 
first um, because the money's got to come in as a business and, and that's the work that I like doing the most. And then I will plan other stuff around it, whether that's, um, you know, proposals that I have to write or um, internal meetings that, that we need to have scheduled. Um, and I, I, again, I put the tasks that I need to do into my diary. So because I've got young children who are currently at home. Um, <laughs> How young? How old are they? Uh, seven and eight. Oh, just at that age. So they do yeah. need supervision. They do need homeschooling. <laughs> you leave them alone for 30 seconds and they've got the PlayStation out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I feel for they you. have to be what they have to be monitored yeah. um, so I I put everything in my diary um and um my husband and I will sit down on a Sunday evening and compare diaries for the week ahead and divvy out the homeschooling based on who's got what work when and um and then we often at the moment have to sort of just do another quick sense check every evening when the kids are in bed just to make sure we've got all the essentials covered off yeah yeah how do you think this situation will sort of influence and change what things are like in the future so you know the fact that you're having to fit homeschooling in around other stuff do you think that will have benefits when that goes away and you've suddenly got this extra time I love this question um, because as much as I will bring my optimism and hope for what I want for the future I also acknowledge that we are creatures of habit and Mm. for those people that want to go back to what we had or what they had they'll do that Mm -hmm. so I guess optimistically I'd love to think of um both mums and dads um, wanting to and being able to work more flexibly. Yes. Work from home, be able to share 50-50, the school run, um, et cetera. Um, We do a lot of parental leave coaching um, and the organisations that call it parental leave are being optimistic because the people that sign up for it are, female mums um and you know one day we'll have some men in the program and that will be wonderful um but for now you know I spend my days listening to how put upon women are um and also you know we are our own worst enemies I'm reading a book at the moment um you you um, one of your questions joe was um you know what podcasts and books yeah. are you reading and i actually sort of made a mental note to mention this one because it's brilliant it's called burnout and it's by um emily and amelia nagoski they are twin sisters uh-huh. um and um they talk about human giver syndrome so um many of us on this planet are takers and many of us are givers human givers and most of the human givers are female and we we feed the patriarchy because um, we continue to believe um, the scripts that we must be good calm quiet beautiful homemaking caring Um, we must be the experts when it comes to raising our kids um, and so, you know, when a when a 
a keen plucky new dad will say well I can change that nappy or I can take the baby for a few hours we say no 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 I must do that that's my job and so we've got to um, help mums and dads to realize from when their 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 babies are very young um, that just because the the female gave birth um, it doesn't mean that the male can't contribute at least 50% of the of the practical yeah. work. Because yeah. it's not even just that the, the women often will say, no, that's my job. Sometimes the, the men will do it and then it will be a well done. That's really good, you know, that you babysat the children <laughs> rather than that's just your job. You're their dad. <laughs> yes, thank you. I used to say thank you to my husband a lot when he when he helped out and again not not helpful because he hears that he's doing me a favor rather than just doing his job yes yeah it's interesting just thinking back to how things were here I have a 14 year old and um, I think in some ways we had a benefit for the fact that I was running my own business on my own whenever we were making decisions about things you know whether that be her being ill and somebody needing to be with her or, or whatever because we weren't competing like for like we weren't sort of um my job's more important than yours therefore you have to sort of take the childcare on today a lot of the time my working on my own meant there was no one else to do the thing I had to do so if I'd committed to a meeting I had to do it whereas uh, because Simon works in a corporate situation with a team you know there was probably somebody else that could help out or, or whatever so in some ways having completely different um sort of jobs and roles and and so on probably helped us as as we were navigating all of that whereas I think Mm -hmm. if you've sort of got similar sorts of experiences and and demands you probably vie much more or or not (laughs) and as you say the the women perhaps take more on um in that situation yeah yeah so you have started a, a new um business recently called she has no limits and I think that now might be a good time to to talk about that as we've sort of got a bit onto the um female (laughs) discussion tell us a bit more about that what it is and and how it came about so um so yes I mentioned that Catherine and I our our roots are coming together was as a result of coaching women so it's always been a big part of what we've done um albeit that we we run programs for other underrepresented minorities in organizations um I, th- I think where the where the trajectory is at with um, diversity diversity and inclusion at the moment is that um, women the the ch- the the challenge of um, trying to bring about more gender um, equality in organisations is is getting uh, more share of voice than some other minorities um, rightly or wrongly but hopefully you know if we can um, make um enough gains with gender equality then the other battles will will follow and will be less hard to fight so we we've always done lots of women's coaching and then of course covid hit um in uh march of 2020 we all went into lockdown and very quickly we were hearing um the desperation of our of our female clients um coming through loud and clear um I would be saying 
if I had a fiver for every time a client said to me that their husband has commandeered the spare room, uh, locked himself in there from nine till six, he pops down to eat his lunch and um, ruffles the kid's hair. And then and the, and the mother is left with her work, her career on the kitchen table with the kids, with the homeschooling, with the cooking, cleaning. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe what we were hearing. You know, we as feminists have all been working really hard in our own way for, you know, for decades now. And I think um, COVID-19 has really exposed the um, very deeply entrenched inequalities in our society. Um, so as much as there will hopefully be some gains for gender equality, certainly around flexible working, and I know lots of dads have really valued the extra time with their kids, lots, not all, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, the, the women last year were saying to us loud and clear help. Yeah. And so we, we were struggling as a as a um, an all female run business as well. We were all uh, mums of school age kids, um, and also our work had all but dried up. All the corporate work had pretty much dried up because the first budget line to go when there's a fear of recession is training and coaching budgets. So uh, we had some extra time. Um, and we needed to do something. We needed to do something to save our business. And we needed to do something in response to um, the plight of, of women that we serve. Um, so we decided um, to get together with a couple of other organizations that we knew who also served working women. Um, and we said, right, let's let's put on a day. We'll, we'll run a conference. We'll offer f- live coaching, free coaching or highly discounted we'll put panels on with inspirational business leaders um, telling us how we can bounce back um, what the future of work needs to look like now so that women can not just get back on track but come back and start to really thrive in their careers Um, so let's use COVID and 2020 as a springboard to help as many women as we can Um, in their careers and of course the stats were coming out by the summer that you know the number of redundancies majority were female furloughing majority female and it was just you know something had to be done so we we did what we could and we 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 launched she has no limits with a conference in september Um, and over the period of from june through to the end of the year we were also running pro bono group coaching sessions on zoom so women could come each month Um, we were having um, up to 50 60 women coming and we would have a different topic so um resilience um managing anxiety um goal setting etc just to give them the opportunity to come together and know that they're not alone to work together especially those that who were self-employed and feeling particularly lonely um but also keeping them focused on their own professional development and growth and the message has been with she has no limits you know you could be waiting a long time for your employer to start to invest in your growth and professional development again because they're they're trying to stop the businesses from hemorrhaging so why don't we all take responsibility for this and do it together Um, it doesn't need to cost much 
um, to spend a bit of time each month on your own CPD, your own continual professional development. Mm-hmm. That sounds really, really helpful for, for people. Do you think when you've got very senior people who are women and maybe who are, are, are parents that 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 helps or not because there's a what's that thing it's queen bee syn- syndrome isn't it where mm. often having the really senior women actually doesn't help in terms of bringing other people through and the whole equality thing and in some cases because of the whole well I've done it so you have to too type <laughs> type thing as well but um yeah do you see that that that's helping in organizations where they do have that or are they trying to compensate and become different because they have to to compete with the men um I think we're starting to see less of it I think for a couple of decades at least we saw a lot of women um, who perceived that the way in which they could become successful in their organization was to behave like the men Mm -hmm. uh, to join that club um, you know, and even heard of examples of women learning to play golf, for example, so they can go off and play golf with the men. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, that's that's their choice. Um, that's their approach. And, and that worked for them. Um, but I think, um, you know, Maggie Thatcher was the, the classic queen bee, wasn't she? That um, on the surface of it, she was all about feminism. Um, and, and certainly me uh, uh, growing up um, when she was prime minister, it was, it was a clear signal to me that I could achieve anything in my career. Um, but she didn't have any women in her government. Um, so, you know, we, and I've, I, you know, when I hit the glass ceiling, it was because I had a, a, a female boss boss who who loved the boys and kept kept the women in their place and mm. um, and so I, I I'm I'm heartened there are lots of um there's lots of scientific and psychological um research based evidence these days that um you know there is power in the sisterhood when you bring women together as a collective powerful things happen mm. and uh, women are feeling that and experiencing that more whether that is um, in teams that they've cultivated themselves or employee engagement groups in their organizations or coming to um, you know third party organizations or um, programs like she has no limits so we know that the model works um, that we can travel further together than we can um, individually um, I I, I have a very uh, dear friend and, and kick-ass um, business leader friend, um, Mary, and she says um, when she goes on to, on platforms for um, women's events that that those women, those those queen bees, will will burn in hell. You know, it's the, there's there is increasingly less place for them to hide, and I think also they 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 realize they don't have to be a man anymore yeah, yeah. Um, to achieve success mm. i don't know if you've come across um dr mari mcleod but she might be worth um connecting up with um for anyone interested in this sort of thing um her um background she was an evolutionary behavioral biologist so she studied animals <laughs> and then turned to women <laughs> as the, uh, the sort of example of that um and she's all about the science of success for women so uh oh, brilliant listening so 
yourself if you if um you need an intro then i interviewed her a few years ago so uh she might be worth um getting in co contact with thank um, you can i give you one right back at you yes please so um one of my favorite books that i read last year um well okay I'll take a step back i i've developed a girl crush for um to um uh, lesbian wives um in the last year um so I read uh first of all I came across the work of Glennon Doyle through um Brené Brown I I'm a big Brené Brown fan so anything Brené does mm -hmm. I I consume she interviewed Glennon Doyle about her book Untamed um which is this idea of, of living the life that you want to live completely untamed and Glennon has a very powerful um and emotional um story of of how she left her husband um when she fell in love with Abby Wambach and Abby Wambach is um uh, um an Olympian um, international um, soccer player. She's retired now. She was the captain of that, that very successful um, USA soccer Olympic team. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, I've come to know both of their work now. Abby does a lot of work around um, women's leadership. She's still a, a soccer coach. Um, and um, she's written a book called Wolfpack, which is very short, very easy to read. And it's based on her learnings of becoming um, the captain of the USA um, women's soccer team. Yeah. Um, and um, it's got half a dozen lessons in it. Um, each one is a chapter. Um, and it's, um, it's all about, you know, the, the power of the female team when they come together, what wonderful things can happen. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. Always love new resources and especially books. <laughs> so you mentioned in the middle that you sort of thought about books to recommend and that was one of them. Um, were there any others on your list of podcasts or books or anything that uh, you wanted to share before we move on? I don't want to not give you that opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the only other one I wanted to mention, because I think it's really pertinent to this um, distributed working model that we all find ourselves in and also the, the pandemic. The pandemic has exacerbated um, one of the biggest diseases that we face as a society, which is loneliness. Um, and another book that I read last year um, was um, Together by Dr. Vivek Murthy. And um, he was the US Surgeon General under President Obama and he sort of made it part of his legacy if you like that um we shine a light on on loneliness as as western societies um and it's wonderfully uplifting um it's got lots of great um anecdotes in it and it's very um accessible um but all science and and kind of medicine based um in terms of um, you know, what loneliness is, how we come to suffer from loneliness and how togetherness and connection are the antidote to it. Mm. Oh, that sounds really interesting. It's interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day about um, the whole sort of pandemic time and all the sort of online calls that we've had and all that sort of thing. And he was reflecting on Christmas this year and he was saying how he's actually connected far more often and for longer with 
more members of his family than he would ever have done any other time. And it was really interesting, you know, when a lot of our sort of narrative is about people being lonely, which many people are at this time. And as you said, being a an extrovert, you know, however good things are in the situation you're in, you need people um, to give you that energy, don't you? We're very fortunate in this household. We're all introverts. So <laughs> locking ourselves in the house hasn't been the, the end of the world for us um, so far anyway. Um, but um, it was interesting that, you know, he he was actually saying, you know, I don't think we'll ever do anything quite like that again because hopefully we won't need to, but actually it was, you know, much more than they would normally have done, um, mm. which, which I thought was interesting as well. So one of the things I find interesting with, you know, the sort of lockdown scenario is all the different perspectives and nuances there are to the situation that we find ourselves in um, because of how different we all are and how different our situations are as well. And, you know, that's sort of, I suppose, should go without saying because <laughs> that's what these things are about but it, it yeah. is interesting, isn't it yeah and the context you know the subject matter so you know he was able to reconnect with family members and a lot of the conversation that we're having whether that's with family or friends or you know people we meet in our work is um you know we, we're getting straight to the heart of the matter which is how are you are you coping is your family healthy? Do you feel safe? Can I help? And, you know, these are open-ended coaching questions, if you like, <laughs> that, um, you know, that build trust and connection. So again, you know, back to our, our earlier part of the conversation, one of my um, hopes for a the future post-COVID is that we um, have learnt the art of connection or relearnt um, that art and that we can carry that forwards to enhance our our professional and our personal relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So last couple of questions. Firstly, what about those days where it goes horribly wrong? How do you deal with those? <laughs> oh, um, I try not to beat myself up. Mm-hmm emphasis on the word try there I'm very good at beating myself up um self-compassion and self-care is always my you know biggest kind of piece of work um try and learn from you know what's just happened or what the mistakes or what's not happened uh-huh. try to set it aside um I am um uh, working on my meditation practice at the moment so I, I trained in Vedic, Vedic meditation three years ago mm-hmm. um, but I've been more off the wagon as they say um, than on um, but um, with being at home and not rushing around um, um, you know from business meeting to business meeting I've had more opportunity to be still and to meditate um and I find that hugely um, cathartic, um, especially on those days when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. They say, don't they, if you haven't got 10 minutes to meditate, you should spend 20 minutes doing it or something. I know there's some sort, I'm never any good at making quotes sound as good as they did the first time. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got, um, I, I trained with um, London Meditation Centre, who are absolutely wonderful, run by um, a husband and wife team. Um, Gillian and Michael, um, who are two very inspiring individuals. And um, they say, um, you've always got something else better to do 
than to meditate, but you've rarely got anything that is more valuable to do. Mm. See, there's always a better quote coming along. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. Thank you. And the last question then. So on those days where you get to live more, and that's where I say that you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you? Oh, um, if it's been a good day for me, I have had a deep connection with somebody I've never met before. You know, that kind of, oh, wow. Sometimes the universe just gives you what you need. Mm. Um, or I've brought people together and I've seen that spark or I, uh, what I hypothesized was would be a useful connection I came to be you know, that person, you need to speak to that person because they can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I've overcome something hard um, and just help, you know, just help the client to get, you know, closer to happiness, closer to realizing their potential, I still get a huge amount of um, reward out of, out of my coaching conversations. Mm. Lovely. Thank you, Amanda. It's been so interesting talking to you. I think we've covered (laughs) a load of (laughs) different topics today, which has been great. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact. Thank you, Jo. Well, if you are a professional woman and um, you feel like you need a little bit more support, rigor, um, people to work with on your on your professional development and your growth, then come to shehasnolimits.com, www.shehasnolimits.com and see what we have to offer. Um, We have a free community um, and then we have um, a whole range of different events that you can either pay, pay as you go or pay, pay the membership. So come and come and see if we can help. Um, If you are a leader of an organization and you want to explore whether um, group coaching can help you to um, help with your behavioral gap, we call it. So the difference between the um, policy around diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging and actually the transformational behavioural change, the the unlearning all those deeply untrenched and unhelpful um, behaviours and and teaching um, your people the behaviours of of inclusivity, then go to equaltalent.com, www.equaltalent.com. Thank you, Jo. Lovely. Thanks, Amanda. Are you a home-based coach or consultant feeling like you need a bit of help? Our Power to Live More Calm membership is designed to meet you where you're at with the help you need in the moment so you can get unstuck, move forwards and get stuff done. You might think this sounds too good to be true or maybe wondering how it would fit with how you work and run your business. Why not have a no obligation chat with me to see how I can help you? All you need to do is go to powertolivemore.com forward slash calm call. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 208, then you'll find them there. And this week, I want to continue the theme on habits. Last week, I talked about taking small daily actions to compound into something much bigger. 
And at the Gold Calm Call this week, we talked about the concept of habit stacking, which you may have come across, particularly if you've read uh, the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, or maybe The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. A concept of habit stacking is putting two or more habits together so that they naturally follow in line. And so the second habit is triggered by the first habit and the third is triggered by the second and so on. When you use this concept, it can really help you to keep you going with those things and really turn them into solid habits. So I've talked many times about the fact that I like to have a cup of coffee in the late morning, maybe about 11 o'clock, and I want to read business articles and business books. And so I've connected those two things. So I've stacked those two habits. So my habit of drinking coffee, uh, perhaps even sitting outside now is getting sunny (laughs) and reading my business book or my business article at the same time. And so it creates for me a sort of ritual where one thing, the coffee, leads to the other, the reading. We were talking about the Gold Calm Call about uh, actually (laughs) something as mundane as brushing your teeth and flossing your teeth. One of my members is a former dentist, (laughs) so she was keen to remind us about the concept of flossing. And we were saying that, you know, you can uh, build those habits. So we talked about the concept of brushing your teeth every night, but also flossing your teeth every night. I guess the flossing bit comes first um, and that then triggers the teeth brushing. And I was saying that I uh, have a sort of face regime at night after I brush my teeth. And I've realised and noticed recently that more often than not, I do follow that routine and I do clean my face and do what I want to do, put my moisturiser on, all that sort of stuff, because I've brushed my teeth and then I feel obliged to do the next step, even though sometimes I really can't be bothered and it's really late at night and I consider giving it a miss. But it's amazing how powerful that trigger is of the first element of that those stacked habits to trigger the second of the habits and the third of the habits. And so more often than not, it happens Uh, because of that sort of shape, if you like, of those stacked habits. So what habits are you trying to develop and practice? And what other habits can you stack those onto so that you're more likely to do them more quickly because you've got a process, a routine that encourages you to take that next step? So think of that habit that you want to develop And then find another habit that you are already doing and see how you can tack those two together to encourage you to pick up and run with that second habit that you're trying to develop. Let me know how you get on. Again, the show notes are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 208. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.